Okay, the one thing that I heard sort of as a consistent thing tonight, we, 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 we've heard from a couple things about fasting. Before I go any further, I'll say this, is that uh, a lot of us have been talking about that. Again, we haven't had a church-wide fast in a while. Uh, some people are fasting now. They started the 1st of January. Um, I've been praying about it, and I've, I've heard the Lord tell me that I'm to start mine on the 8th day of this month. Uh, so I don't think that'll be Tuesday or Wednesday. Tuesday. I want to encourage you uh, to put it before the Lord, and if he's been dealing with you about a fast, if that's when you're led to start, then you can start Tuesday. It can be a one-day, a two-day, a three-day, or a ten-day, whatever. We don't try to impose on you specific lengths of time. We let each person respond to the movement of the Holy Spirit. And so if God has been dealing with you with a fast, we'd encourage that. I'll send out an in Jesus about that maybe tomorrow or Sunday so we can kind of be on the uh, same page and keep each other informed. So um, anyway, there is a fast coming up. And we'll have, uh, if you have some objectives, if you have some goals for the fast, you know, we oftentimes do that. We'll make a little list of what we feel God's put on our heart to fast for as individuals and as a ministry. So you email that to me or call me and tell me. I think all of you know my phone number. If you don't, I'll be happy to give it to you. So we're going to do a fast, and we're going to have goals and objectives. And uh, you get me yours. We'll make us out a list, and we'll go from there, okay? It's simple. It's not hard. It's not complicated. So we've heard that. But the other thing is, as we've been here tonight, and uh, even before our, our worship tonight, and as we heard the word of the Lord come out just loud and clear through all facets of it, the Lord put a passage of scripture on my heart, and he's been, he's been dealing with me about, about how the old, the old stuff ain't working. Maybe your old stuff works. My old stuff don't work. And a lot of you who know me well, who have conversations with me, who stop by the baby store, who call me on the phone, a lot of you, you, you moan, groan, and complain just like I do. And for some reason, you gravitate to me. And so a lot of you, you we have <laughs> we've had this conversation before about just, uh, and I'll just be real plain. I don't, know, I don't know any other way to be plain. Just put it in a language everybody can understand. You know, um, just ain't working and I think there's a there's a there's a word that the kids used to say it's sucky you know it just ain't been working and I've wondered why it ain't been working and I've got questions that need to be answered but one of the things the Lord has sort of shown me in the last few days is the fact that the old stuff just ain't working and he is he is requiring a new approach. Because as we approach the end times, the enemy is going to do things a little differently too. If you read this book, you'll see that. There's going to be an acceleration. There's going to be a, there's going, he's going to kick it up a notch, as Emerald says. And he's going to move faster. We've already heard that there's going to be an acceleration in 2008. We heard that last week. It's going to be very accelerated. Uh, we've got to learn to do things faster, quicker. We've got to be more mobile. Uh, got to be more mercenary-like, I guess, if you want to say that. But because of the nature of the times that we live in, it is going to require that we rediscover some old things that's going to look new to us. They're really old things, and they're in here, but it's old things that's going to look new to us that's just been laying there, just sort of hidden, covered up, not revealed, 
not paid attention to because we've been too stubborn and hard-headed and done things our own way too long with no results. And we're creatures of habit. And what we see working for somebody else, we'll try to emulate it and copycat it, and it don't work for us, so we get confused and we get, we get frustrated by it, and it don't work. Well, I'll tell you what. I think the Lord gave me something today that points to a problem that we are most all guilty of in terms of why things ain't working for us. And I want to share that with you. It's going to take me, I hope, at the most 10 minutes. Okay? Because this, this, this don't need to be long and drawn out. This is very simple. First, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to read some of this stuff, and you've heard it before, but there's something, one thing in here I want to draw out to you, okay? Maybe a couple. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. A lot of us have been kicked around, put down, knocked around, knocked out, and all this kind of stuff. And we've talked about it, we've moaned, groaned, and bellyached about it, about this stuff. This is what Paul said, but we have this treasure in earth and vessels, that is the, the life of Christ, the mystery, the hope of glory living in us. He said, we have this treasure, we have the treasure of Jesus living in this earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. In other words, what he's saying is we've got all this outside pressure on this earthen, fragile vessel, and it feels like we're going to crack, we're going to crumble, we're going to roll away, get knocked around. It just feels like at any moment the sides are going to cave in on this vessel, but we have a treasure in these earthen vessels which is the power of God itself. And whatever happens good in our life, we have to give that credit because it ain't this vessel, it's what's on inside the vessel. Okay? Real simple and plain, not hard to be understood. This is what he says, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Remember that verse. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death is working in us, but life in you. But since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that, he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread abroad through many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore... Do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That is enough to thoroughly confuse you. I'm telling you, you may, be, you may be a brilliant scholar. 
But I'm telling you, the writings of the Apostle Paul and his sentence structure and his, his unending grammatical statements just confused the hound out of me sometimes. But you know what I'm getting out of that? Go back to verse 10. Out of all this stuff, all this, all this stuff that's caving in on you in the last year, caving in on you today, just pressing against you, stressing you out, Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. You know what my problem has been so many times? When my flesh and the circumstances that surround the carrying of my flesh come onto a collision course with the cross of Christ and I began to be crucified and the old man begins to die and wither and hurt and sort of fall away and slough off of me. You know what my problem is most of the time? As God, as the cross of Christ kills that and causes it to fall off, I grieve over it and I reach down and I pick up parts of the old man and I hold him in my hand. What's the famous line with the dude looking at the skull in his hand in Shakespeare? What's the line? Yeah, alas. Alas what? Alas, poor Oric. And that's not the vacuum cleaner, by the way. Alas, poor Oric. I knew him well. You know what my problem is? I pick up this bundle of dead flesh and I hold it in my hand and I look at it lovingly and longingly and in a state of remorse and I say alas my flesh I loved you well in the name of Jesus rise up and live rise up in the name of Jesus now you laugh you laugh that's funny and it is funny. It's comical, isn't it? It is the dumbest thing in the world when the cross of Jesus collides with your flesh and you begin to be crucified and die and all this stuff starts sloughing off. It's the dumbest thing in the world to want to pick it up and resurrect it again. Because he has determined and he has decreed and it's his will for this stuff to get out of your life so you can get on with life. And our problem has been that when he takes stuff off, we want to put it back on. And you know what? That's the primary reason why we don't get anything done in the spirit or the kingdom or in our life. That's why we say Sir John Brown miserable all the time, grieving over the stuff we don't have anymore. You know what I have determined? Tasha sent me this wonderful thing about the Grinch. Who stole Christmas? It was a, it was a prophetic picture. Who, how many of y'all got that? Raise your hand. Ken got it. Hey, I want to see your hands. Raise it high. One, two, three, four. I'm so glad the rest of y'all didn't get it because I can tell the story and it'd be a surprise. <laughs> Everybody's familiar with the, uh, with the Dr. Seuss television uh, special about how the Grinch stole Christmas. He lived up on the mountain. He hated the Who's and Whovilles. 
He hated their, he hated their houses. He hated their green eggs and ham or whatever it was. He hated everything about them. And so he decided he was going to kill them. They were always happy. And he was an old Grinch, grumpy thing. Ugly. My gosh, he was ugly. And he had this little, this little dog. And he put a little thing on his nose. And they had this sleigh. And he was mean to the dog. And he was just, he was just a bad dude, okay? But anyhow, what happened is this. He hated the Hoos who lived at the foot of the hill. He hated their joy. He hated their peace. He hated their family life. And so what he decided to do is he was going to steal Christmas. So he goes down there and on Christmas Eve, he takes out their trees and their decorations and their presents and uh, he, everything he could, all their food and everything that was going to contribute to their happiness and their celebration on Christmas Day. He stole all that all, carried it back up the hill and he sat there on the, on the perch and on the ledge like a vulture looking down at the village to see what was going to happen. So lo and behold, one by one, the, the who's started getting up and and uh, they started going in and they didn't find trees and they didn't find decorations and they didn't find presents and they didn't find food. And the Grinch was real happy because he had stole everything that was of value to them. But they come out into the city circle or the square. They began to hold hands and they began to sing a song. And as this thing Natasha sent me was, as, as I was reading it, the person who wrote it was recalling in the story, but remember it's really not Christmas that he was after. He really didn't want to steal their trees and their presents and their decorations and their bows and their food. It's not really that it was after. What he was after was he hated their song. And he wanted to steal their song. Whoa. And praise the Lord, I got to thinking about that thing. And the whole point of this prophetic word that was sent out by this lady, this revelation that she had over that, the whole point of it was to say this, that the enemy is not after our stuff, he's after our song. But he figures if he can get our stuff, that our song goes along with it. In other words, our praise and our joy and our peace and our hope and our love is attached to our stuff and if he can get our stuff, then we won't be praising the Lord, we won't be happy, we'll be miserable, and we'll get down there in the quagmire with the rest of humanity, and we'll just mully grub all day long. And guess what? It works. Doesn't it? You let him touch your stuff, and all of a sudden your song goes with it. Point here being, give me about three minutes, point here being, if our song is connected to our stuff, then our joy is connected to, okay, our joy can be connected to the stuff that comes in collision with the cross that dies. You see? Unfortunately, our song is connected to stuff that really don't make any difference anyway. And God knows that when the cross of Christ comes in collision with our flesh, all that old stuff begins to, the unnecessary, the unprofitable, the ungodly, all that stuff begins to come off. And what he wants to teach us through all that is, is, to, is, is to have a song anyway, have a better song, because he's getting rid of all that stuff we don't need anyhow. 
And he's teaching us that we put the wrong emphasis on the wrong stuff all the time. You know what I've come to the conclusion about the last two or three days? Some of y'all are going to cringe at what I'm about to say. So I'll, I'll kind of I'll say it in another way. Lord, whatever of my stuff is connected to a song I don't need to be singing, I want you to take it away so that you can reveal in me the song I need to sing anyway that you want me to. Now, the flip side of that would be a statement like this. Devil, yeah, you can have it. Whatever stuff God don't want me to have, I don't want it. So if you would please come pick it up at my doorstep tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, I'd be real happy. I'm telling y'all, I'm just as honest as I can be. The stuff, the old stuff, the lostness in the wilderness and they cried over the leeks and the melons and the garlics and the onions that they didn't need and they whined and they groaned and they moaned and complained over it. You see, if I've got any of that stuff laying around, I don't want it. You know, that's what's caused me so much grief all these years. That's what's caused me hurt and that's what's caused me pain. Longing over something God didn't want me to have because he wanted me to have something better than that. But I still, I kept wanting the old stuff that I loved so well, that I got along with so well, that I could cuddle and hold to and kiss and caress so well. I don't want the stuff anymore. And whatever stuff I have that's keeping me away from the Lord, I'm better off not having it. And the sooner I get rid of it, the better off I'm going to be and the better off you're going to be when you're around me. Because see, listen to this. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. You see, the flesh and the life of Jesus cannot cohabitate together. But I tell you what, Jesus can cohabitate in an old earthen vessel that don't have no flesh in it. That's what this says. That's what this says. So I'm better off being an old vessel with no flesh than being flesh that has to be turned into an old vessel. See, that's what the fire does. That's what the pruning shears do. and That's what the cross is so wonderful at. I don't want my stuff anymore. You know what God did this past year? He showed me just how unimportant my home, my house that we lived in was. 
And he moved us out of it. But you know what? He gave us a friend and a brother and a sister who let us live in their house. And he has shown the grace of God to me through two people and to my family and to my wife. And every day I walk up those steps, I think about the grace of God and what's been removed from my life. Maybe it, I don't know what all kind of lessons God's teaching me through that. I don't know. Maybe if you've got a clue, perhaps you should fill me in. But I'm learning. But there's a lesson there. And one of the lessons I've got is that he's shown me grace through two people, through a family. I drive a 1997 Ford truck. It's ugly and it's scratched up. But you know what? I've discovered I don't have to wash it. Did you know I found out that nobody in Jessup cares if you wash a 10-year-old truck? Now, they care. I'm t <laughs> they care if you've got a 2-year-old truck and it don't stay clean. They care about that. But see, God, is, what I'm trying to tell you is, is that God is positioning me to be in a place where all the stuff and all the dead things just don't matter anymore. And as long as that old 10-year-old truck runs and gas goes in it and God just, he, he supernaturally keeps the tires from wearing out, I'm a happy boy. You know, I'm a happy boy. But see, he's taking things away from me. And as I look out on this people, you have told me the things he has taken away from you and the things that are being taken away from you as a direct result of the cross of Christ and the life of Jesus coming into contact with your mortal flesh. And for the love of Jesus and everything about heaven, don't dare ever again pick up something dead and try to bring it back to life. At least get the discernment this next year of realizing what God has pruned and what he wants dead and leave it alone. At least go that far. Because if you, if you can learn that, then the process becomes better and it becomes accelerated. And it's no longer a problem to you anymore. But I'm to the place where I don't want stuff. I don't want stuff that ain't working anymore. don't work God is taking this people somewhere that is really different and he showed me a few things in this Bible that I think he, he's, he's conditioning us to do this next year and uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray about it and I'm gonna share it with you when the time's right One of the things I just kind of let you in, you know, you, know, you know what one of the problems with um, one of the problems with um, all of our organized religion and organized church and our program stuff, you know what one of the problems is? It's totally misdirected. Choo -choo. 
You know what was one of the hallmarks of the early church? The word said that they all came together and um, whatever they had excess they brought and laid down at the apostles' feet and it was distributed among every person as they had need. You know what one of the problems with the church is today? The problems with the church is today is they got people in the congregations who for no fault of their own can't even pay their light bill or buy food or put gas in their vehicle or get some way to get to work. And uh, the church doesn't even pay them any attention. Spends millions. And I, listen, God, I do crusades and, and, and pastor workshops and we go all over the world, or we have before the money dried up. We go all over the world and, and do wonderful things for God. When people at home had need. I'm not so sure God's honored in that. Folks, we're going to have to make a change. You hear me? We're going to have to make a change. See, that's part of the old stuff that looks new, but it's old. It's part of the original plan and purpose of God for the church to take care of its own. But we're so busy taking care of other people that our own are neglected. And see, that's what, that's what brought about in Acts 6 the office of deacon. That's the one thing that brought it about is because the widows were crying out that they were being neglected in daily ministration. We have missed it. Did you know if every church in this city did exactly what I was talking about? I'm going to be real bold here. If every church in this city did that one thing, did you know Tabitha's place would be out of business next week? They'd have to close up, defect. They'd close it up, I'm telling you, because they wouldn't want to spend money giving people salaries for sitting there doing nothing. You know what else would happen? You'd probably see uh, neighbors going house to house and helping repair things and work on cars. And, and uh, if, that, if, the church, if the church did one thing, New, which is nothing new, but it's something old that we've overlooked. And y'all, I'm done. Don't try to put life back into something God has killed or is killing. Don't be afraid to do something new and radical and biblical. In 2008. Stand up and just say that. Let's, let's just pray just a minute and we'll go. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask you, Lord, uh, to open up the heavens with revelation. And I ask you, dear God, that you would send, um, you'd send ministering legions of angels to your church. And I ask you, dear God, that you would put people in churches and in leadership positions in crisis situations, Lord that would cause them to look at the Bible and say, God's got a solution for this. Now, what is it? I ask you, dear God, that the people of God, the people in this room be given discernment as you prune away and as you, as you take their flesh away and as the cross of Christ collides with their flesh. I ask you, dear God, you give them discernment to know what to leave alone, but also what to put on. 
So God, just give us discernment and wisdom. And Lord, we want to be on your side. We want to be on the side of the Lord. We want to be on the side of... of we want to be like the men of Issachar. When the word says, they were men who knew the times and knew what to do. So Father, we just ask for, we ask for that anointing tonight. That we be like the sons of Issachar, that we would know the times in which we live and we would know what to do. And Lord, that the kingdom of God would be expanded and the love of God would be released and that we would see real change, not only in our lives, Lord, but in the community as the life of God begins to flow into the streets from house to house and place to place, giving life and hope to people who have given up on hope and have no life. Lord, give us the right priorities to have. Change our minds, Lord, and, and let us show us how to agree with you and not with each other just because it sounds good. Lord, we want to be the people that you want us to be. God, help us. Lord, keep us from error and keep us from sin. Keep us from hurting each other. Oh, God, let the love of Jesus flow. And teach us, oh, God, your ways. In the name of Yeshua. Um, Keith and I have uh, Keith Smith Ministries and I just really feel that tonight we had a sister come up here and say she's got three car payments left on her car she's behind two payments and they're wanting to take her car y'all this sister for every angel wing that was on our little kids in our Christmas program. She really probably wouldn't want me telling you that. But she took out of her bottom of her pocket when we said we don't have any money and we need angel wings for our kids. She said, how much do you have? And she give the whole amount. And I would just like to say if there's anybody here who would like to make a donation to Keith Smith Ministries tonight, that we will make sure that that money goes to people in this church that have the needs that they've called out tonight. It will go to their needs that they have, have said they have. And it's a tax-deductible ministry. And other than that, 
I want you all to join in and sing happy birthday with me to my 50-year-old husband. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. going to say if you're in this church and you have a need you need to tell somebody you don't need to keep it to yourself because um, we need to do better okay we need to do better we have a surprise for you in the back a surprise you can't tell what oh, surprise it's a new truck, isn't it? <laughs> Surprise, surprise. Okay, so whatever the surprise is. <laughs> well, I guess you'll just have to go to the back and find out in just a little bit. Everybody's invited? Every, everybody's invited. Let's go to the back and find out, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> 